0: I got really good at wearing a mask. And if you wear that mask for a long enough time, you lose your own identity somewhere along the way. I remember those days of getting up and saying, just get me to the point where I can lay back down and go to sleep. It just consumed me. It was there from the moment I got up in the morning to the moment I asked out at night. I had always had some glimmer of hope but there was a point where that was gone. You don't understand in a situation like this what possible good could come from such a horrendous thing, but God can do anything. There is hope, and even when you don't feel like there is a way, God has a way to the other side. Well, it's so good to be with you, River Valley, to celebrate uh, Easter weekend, and I want to say hi to all of our campuses. Of course, we are one church in multiple locations with eight campuses, and uh, I love it that we can use technology to do that, and I want to say this, that uh, hi to all the campuses. I want to say that I missed all of you. I missed every single one of you, and for those of you that didn't know that, uh, Beck and I were uh, gone for three months. we, After serving 20 years at the church, the church gave us a three-month sabbatical, and uh, we had a amazing time traveling, and we absolutely love the time of rest. I want to say this to the entire church everywhere. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We so enjoyed it. We had such a great time off, and uh, I said, I feel so refreshed, so relaxed. I feel charged up, ready to go. I said, I can make it for 15 more years. And, and uh, somebody said, wait a minute. I mean, you work 20 to get the three months. What do you mean 15? I said, well, I'm going to be 65 in 15 years. I said, you got to retire somehow, you know, and someday. And uh, the person said to me, they go, can you make it to 70? Can you make it? Can you do? It? Uh, you got to hand it off, right? You know, but anyways, we, we just thank you for that time off. And uh, Here's the thing. We walked out of church on Christmas Eve. We finished the last service, and, uh, and, and here we are coming back Easter weekend. And I want to tell you, this is the first time in my life that Becca and I have ever been Christmas and Easter Christians. <laughs> 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 and we hated it. I'm just going to tell you this we really did. We, we, we didn't enjoy such a big gap. Now, don't get me wrong. We enjoyed the rest, and we're so thankful for that. But we left Christmas Eve in the first week of our sabbatical. We're kind of like, we, we, we don't have to go to church. I mean, we, we, we don't have to. Like, we don't have any response. But we could watch church on an iPad today. We could just sit in bed and watch church on an iPad. And as we sat there, I thought, I don't want to watch church on an iPad. I want to go and worship with God's people. I want to be uh, with other people. I, I want to give away something. I want to do something. I want to be part of an offering. I, I wanted to be part of it, and we're sitting there like we're not doing the iPad church. And and just to make sure you you know the iPad church or online, and we love the technology. That is a supplement to being part of a, a local body. It's a supplement for those people that are deployed, those people that are unable to get to church. Uh, we say hello. We love technology that you can watch that. But if you're part of a church, be part of the church. Don't do iPad church or don't do online church as your only form of church. If you can get to a local body, be part of it. And to be sure, um, we, we didn't skip church. We went to church every week. We went to 13 different churches, went to church 16 times in 12 weeks and we were looking for more okay but here's the thing we missed our church we missed the church that God called us to be part of and I want to tell you this that if you're here at Easter and and you don't have a home church or this is your home church and it's been a long time since you've uh, been here I don't even want to joke about it I want to tell you this, you are wanted in this church. God wants you in this church. There's life in this church. There's something about being involved in a community of believers where I challenge you and you challenge me and we spur each other on to good works and we're there to help each other in our time of need. I'm telling you what, I, I, I enjoyed getting prayer requests again and, and seeing different things. And, and there was a tragedy this week. Uh, one of our deacons lost her father, and he was up in age, and, and it was something that we were expecting. But even to be able to contact her and say, we're praying for you, and we're praying for your family, there's something within us that is an amazing thing about being part of a local church. And if you are jokingly calling yourself a Christmas and Easter Christian, or you emerge here and there, somebody said, I'm a submarine Christian, I emerge here and there, and and I go undercover. No, 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 no. No. You don't know how beautiful the church is. You don't know how amazing it is to be on mission, to have something to give, people to help, to be a part of a life group, to be able to take what you have and make a difference for the kingdom of God, to serve, to greet people, and I'm just telling you, get involved in the life of the church. Get involved. May this weekend be the start of something new where you say, you know what, I'm not just gonna casually attend, I'm part of this. I wanna be part of the local church. Make it a habit. Join us through this series. We're going to be uh, talking about Jesus is the bridge to the presence of God today. We're going to be talking about Jesus is the the bridge to an authentic you. He brings you to that part where you can be real and drop the mask. Jesus is the one that can bring you to uh, unity. Jesus is the one that can bring you to hope. And I'm telling you what, that's what the church will bring, and the world is looking for hope. So I'm saying, in the next couple weeks, be a part of this. Be committed. Be committed. Turn to your neighbor right now here and at all of our campuses and say, I'm committed. I'm going to be here. And don't lie. Tell him right now. Do it. I'm committed. I'm in. We're going to crowd this place out. The, The church will have to add extra services for us, all right? Now, some of you might say, well, I'm not even, I'm not even part of the church. Like, I'm, I'm visiting. I don't even know if I know Jesus. Can I say this? We're going to give you an opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior at, here and at all of our campuses at the end of the service because the church of Jesus Christ is constantly expanding and expanding and expanding, and there's room for you. Now, I love this weekend. I love Easter weekend. I love uh, Christmas and Easter. At Christmas, we celebrate when Jesus came to this earth, and Easter we celebrate why Jesus came to this earth. We celebrate why, why did he come here? Why, what was it all about? It was about the fact that God sent Jesus to this earth so he could live a perfect, sinless life, pay the price for your sins, my sins, the entire world's sins, and be able to make a way for us to have peace with God. And so that's what we're celebrating, we're celebrating the why, and I'll tell you this, when Jesus Christ was crucified, all of our sins were placed on Jesus. All of our sins were placed on Jesus when Jesus was crucified, and then they buried him. And I want to tell you this, at that moment, they they didn't have the same advantage that we have knowing the rest of the story. They thought it was over. They thought it was over, like this is, it's over, we're doomed, Jesus is dead, and they didn't know that, that Jesus was going to come back from the dead. And then when he did, everything changed. Everything changed because everything was true. If you could come back from the dead, you have defeated the greatest enemy. You could say that you've defeated sin if you've defeated the grave. And I'm telling you, everything changed. And we believe that Jesus Christ, this weekend, we celebrate it, that he uh, died on the cross, paid the price for our sins, and that he rose from the dead. And I know we sing that song as children, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me, you know, and we say, I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I, and we say, well, the Bible tells me that he rose from the dead. But I'm telling you what, there's more than that. There's more than that. The people that recorded the Bible for us risked their life to say, it's real, it's real. Matter of fact, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Matthew was an eyewitness, and he's saying, I saw this, I saw this, this happened. Jesus came back from the dead. He said that, and he wrote it down for us. Mark, who didn't know Jesus personally, but was most likely discipled by Peter, was saying, I wrote this down. I was discipled by Peter. This is an amazing thing. I'm writing it down so you can understand that Jesus is real, that he rose from the dead. His promises are true. Luke, again, didn't see Jesus, but he investigated it. Here's an a educated man, a doctor, who says, I've, I've investigated all this. I have an education. I'm not just some fly-by-night guy. I, I really looked at this, and I want to tell you, this is who Jesus is. This is what he did. This is how he lived. This is how he died. And so we see these accounts, and John also eyewitness. I love what... Uh, Pastor Andy Stanley says about uh, James, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, changed his whole life, and he said, I believe that Jesus is the Savior of the world. Now, James, the brother of Jesus, before Jesus rose from the dead, basically put his brother Jesus in the crazy category. All right, now don't raise your hand if you have a crazy brother or sister. They might be here with you, all right, but... James, the brother of Jesus, was like, I, I, I don't believe it. I don't believe that this guy is the Savior. He's my crazy brother. And he, Andy Stanley was saying this to his church. He said, what would it take for you to believe that your brother was the Savior of the world? He could do a miracle, and you're still like, not the Savior. You know? He could do a lot of things. You say, he's still not the Savior. But when he comes back from the dead, you're like, okay, he's the Savior. He's the Savior. He. Is. Okay, so James who has nothing to do with Jesus, we have no recorded history of James doing anything with Jesus prior to the resurrection, all of a sudden when Jesus comes back from the dead, James starts to build the church. James says, he's the savior, he's the one. I think about it, I have three younger brothers and I'm telling you what, I wouldn't believe a lot of things, but if they came back from the dead, they're the savior, all right? James was there, all right? That's the way, so we believe this and we have something to base this on. We have something, and I thank God for the people that recorded this, wrote it down for us, and I thank God for the early church uh, leaders that said, we've got to save these things. We've got to pass this on to the next generation so they know that it's true. We're going to tell them orally, we're going to tell them about the the power of Jesus. We're going to pray for people. People will find Jesus as Lord and Savior, even people a long way away from God. I think about this, the Apostle Paul he, this blows my mind, he didn't even want to get saved. He didn't even want to find Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Think about that. He was persecuting Christians, and Jesus goes and interrupts his life, and Paul's like, he's real he's real. I wasn't even leaning into Jesus. I was trying to hurt Jesus and his church, and Jesus appeared to me. He's real. He's a living Savior. And Paul wrote all sorts of things. And I thank God for the people that recorded these things, wrote them down for us, eyewitnesses, people that talked to eyewitnesses. And you think about this, many, many, many people gave their lives for Jesus Christ. They said, it's real. He died on the cross. He rose again. And so we're celebrating that today. And today, I want to tell you this. Jesus is still changing lives. Um, Easter is not celebrating a day. We're celebrating a person. We're celebrating a Savior. Yeah, it's a day, and we think about it. It's a weekend that we celebrate. We are celebrating a Savior that died for us. We're celebrating Jesus Christ, that he's real. And I thank God that he's still saving people and changing people. Uh, When I was seven years old, I gave my life to Jesus Christ at a Billy Graham crusade, and I I thank God that he saved me then. When we were on sabbatical, um, we were visiting all sorts of other churches, and I'll tell you what, in the places we were, people were getting saved there and there and there, and all the different churches, it was wonderful watching that happening. Uh, Of the few texts that the church sent me, they just sent me a few. I mean, really, there were just a few texts uh, that they sent me. One of them, one time, they said, just you'd want to know that, you know, it's like 153 people gave their life to Jesus this weekend. It was one of those texts that I wanted to see while I was on sabbatical. I'm telling you what, Jesus is still saving people. Jesus is still removing the guilt and the pain and the shame and the sin, and He's saying you can have peace with God. And we want to talk about this today, that Jesus is the bridge to peace with God. Jesus is the the Savior. He's the one that bridged the divide that was separating us from God. And I'm telling you that I'm a, a big fan of bridges. Living in the state of Minnesota, how many know we need a lot of bridges? We have lakes and rivers and streams and creeks, and I'm a big fan of the bridges. And uh, uh, having lived here a long time, I'm grateful that they got rid of that old Cedar Avenue bridge. That really dates me, but that thing was like drive and pray, drive and pray, i just tell you. You don't know about it, but that old Cedar Avenue bridge was wood, and you'd go over it, and then you'd catch the wood, and your tires would, yeah, uh, pass that, and you survive that, and you're amazing. But I thank God for bridges. And uh, while we were on sabbatical, Becca and I, we're staying by the beach, and, and we could see our hotel, and we wanted to take a, a shortcut. And instead of walking back down towards the beach, we, there was this big, big ravine. And I said, surely if we go this way, there must be a, like a bridge or like a little overpass. We'll just go this way. It looks like it's shorter to go this way. And we started walking, and, and uh, I walked a little further and a little further, and Becca was getting hungrier by the moment. And how many have heard of the term hangry? Have you heard of that? <laughs> She 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 manifested that she manifests a little hangry going on. And uh, I was certain there was a bridge or a overpass or a road or a goat trail we could take, you know? And uh, there was nothing. And you're wondering, like, how did you not know that? Why don't you look at your phone? I was too cheap to pay for data. So uh, I, I was, we were out of the country and I wasn't paying for data. And finally, I bit the bullet and turned the phone on and paid for data. And I was like, yeah, there's no bridge. We got to go back. And the way back is beautiful. It's beautiful. We should go back. And uh, I was looking for a bridge. And why, because I wanted to get to the other side. I wanted to get back to the hotel. I wanted to feed my wife. I wanted to take care of things. But you think about it, why are there bridges? We, those bridges are there so that we can get to what we desire, that we desire to get to the other side. And I think we've got a picture here. Yeah, we do, a beautiful picture of the a bridge. And a, a bridge is, I don't know where this is, but I want to lead global team go to the bridge. That's what I want to do. That's a great looking bridge. Bridges are built to get to the other side. There's something over there that you want to get to. You want to get over this and get to this. And you want to get to the other side. And there's a longing, there's a longing to get over to the other side. And I believe this, that within all of us, there's a longing to get to God. The older that I get, I just believe this. I believe people are chasing things. And I used to think when I was younger, they're chasing fun and they're really having an amazing time. And although sin is pleasurable for a season, it really leaves people empty. And I realized that the more that they were chasing after that, the more they were saying, there's a God-sized hole in me. There's something in me that needs to be filled. And I, I just so thoroughly believe that. Again, on sabbatical, I talked to a guy who was CEO and vice president and president of multiple different companies that you'd know. They would be all throughout our malls. And, and I, I said, how did you come to faith in Jesus Christ? And he said, you know what happened? He said, um, I was you know, president of this and making all this money and things are going great. And he said, I'm at Disneyland with my wife and my children. And he said, and I'm miserable. I'm just absolutely miserable. He said, I'm trying to achieve and, and win the awards and have all these things. And he said, I'm looking for something. There's something in me, a, a hole. And he said, I'm weeping in Disneyland. I'm crying to my wife and saying, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. And he said, thankfully, somebody invited me to Promise Keepers and I found Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I got to the other side of what I was looking for. There was a longing within me. I was desiring for that. And that may be you. You may be here, you're saying, I've tried all these things. I've been chasing after all these things. And there's a, a longing to be there. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ will satisfy your longing. Jesus Christ will satisfy it. Uh, the Bible tells us that our sins have separated us from God. Isaiah 59:2. it's your sins that have cut you off from God. See, God created us, and man sinned, and then we fell away from his presence, and there was a separation. That sin separated us. I wonder what Adam and Eve, you know, felt like when they were walking with God in his presence, and ever since then, we've wanted that restoration of of, of being with God and being in his presence. The Bible tells us that all have sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and I'm telling you this, just in case you don't know, sin is disobedience to God. It's the wrong that we do when we fail to achieve God's intended design. We do wrong, and our sin has separated us. And again, we have the, the bridge, and our sin has separated us. And if God's on one side and we're on the other, we're trying to figure out, how do I get there? What do I do? My sins have separated me, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out how I can get to God. And even if there is a way, who will tell me the way? How can I get there? And when we have that sin, a lot of people run away from God. Even though there's something within them drawing them to fill that need, we run away. And our, our guilt and our shame causes us to turn away. Um, how many know that when you do wrong, you feel bad and, and you hide? Um, I remember when we were parenting our kids and our kids would do wrong. And, and Connor and Logan were the type of kids that when they do wrong, they'd go and hide. and They didn't want to look at us. They, they, you know, and some of you are like, not our kids. Yeah, we'll pray for you later. All right. But you know, the kids they, they want to hide, they, you don't want to look at the person you did wrong to. Our sins separated us from God, and there's a longing still to connect, and yet we don't want to we're kind of like, "Man, I did wrong, and you yeah, all right. Interesting thing, when you look in the Bible at the word "presence," like God's presence, many times it, it really could be interpreted being near God's face, looking in His face looking in his face, and I want you to get this picture, like being near and in his presence and saying, there's a longing within me to get to the other side, and I want to be near him. I want to be in his his face, if you will. I remember when the boys were little, again, using them as illustration. I owe them, but uh, when Connor and Logan were young and they wanted my attention, how many know that kids will grab your face? They will literally grab your face. And if I, they say like, Dad, I'm like, eh, eh, you know, reading the paper, doing whatever. And they're like, Dad, Dad. And if I wasn't paying attention, they want, they'd like grab like, Dad, Dad, right here. And I'd be like, okay, Dad's near you. And they'd be right, you know, how many you know I'm talking about? And they'd be right there. And there's something about that and getting in the face. And there's a desire to be near to God, and yet we're separated. And I want to say this, don't let your shame of what you've uh, done in your life keep you away from God. Some of you think, well, I can't believe it that he could love somebody like me. I can't believe that God could ever accept somebody like me. I have a longing to be near him, but I know what I've done, and I, I don't think I could ever go near him. I'm telling you, you can. Don't let it separate you from God. I mean, uh, you, again, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, what did they do? They went and hid. They separated themselves. Instead of running to God, they ran away. Don't let your guilt and your shame keep you away from God. We serve a God that told us through different stories. uh, The prodigal uh, son, the parable of the lost sheep where he says a guy has 100 sheep, he loses one. He leaves the 99 to go for the one. We have a God that is looking for the one that has done wrong, for the one that has wandered away. And he's saying, don't let your shame Keep you away from me. I want us to be face-to-face. That's why I sent Jesus to be the bridge, to be the one that could restore each of us into this relationship. That's the type of God that we're serving. He's looking for you. And I love this about Easter. I love that Easter weekend, a lot of people um, are in church where they're kind of like, all right, I'm here, yeah, all right. New, all right, somebody got me here, a friend, a relative, a neighbor, coworker just trying to keep peace with mom, okay, you know. I love that. And again, I'll, I'll hear people, they, they joke around with me in the lobby, and they're like, well, it's still standing, all right, you know. Uh, and they know what they've done. They're kind of like, I'm out, I'm in, I'm out. I'm telling you what, welcome. Welcome. We serve a God that says, I've been chasing you down. I've been chasing you down. I've been coming after you. And, and I got this picture when I was prepping for the sermon. As much as I thought about Connor and Logan grabbing my face and saying, look at me, look at me, look at me, here's the picture of God the Father that I have. I think God the Father grabs your face and he says, look at me, welcome. Don't let your shame keep you away. Look at at me. And I think you need to give your life to the God that grabs your face. You need to give your life to the God that says, I welcome you. I made the way so your sin, your pain, your shame, your guilt could be covered and taken away. I grab your face and say, give your life to Jesus Christ. So don't let it. Don't let anything keep you away. Don't let anything keep you away. But some let our shame do it. And I'm telling you, don't do it. Other people say, well, I got to work my way in. I'll do it. I will work my way in. And I love what Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says, you can't do it. It says, saving is all his idea and it's all his work. All we do is trust him enough to let him do it. It's God's gift from start to finish. We don't play the major role. If we did, we'd probably go around bragging that we'd done the whole thing. No, we neither make nor save ourselves. Uh, God does both the making and the saving. And again, to illustrate this with our bridge, again, uh, when you build a bridge, you start on opposite sides and you meet in the middle. That's the way you build a bridge. Each group starts on the opposite side, and then they start moving towards the middle. I was reading about different bridges, you know, trying to get some neat bridge stats. Maybe I'll reveal them later. But one interesting thing about a, a bridge that was built in Pennsylvania before GPS and all that, they started to build, and they were kind of eyeballing it, trying to figure out how to get, and when they finally got to the middle, they were 13 feet off. <laughs> it was kind of like a hairpin turn, you know, one turn, uh, 13 feet. Let me tell you this. You can't build. You can't build from your side, and even if you tried, you'd be more than 13 feet off, all right? You can't do it. So God knew we couldn't build our side of it, and He could build His. So what did He do? He sent Jesus to build from this side. God the Father built from that side. Jesus became the bridge and made the way. You cannot work your way into the grace of God. I love it again. It says, God does both the making and the saving. I love what Jesus said to Thomas and the disciples, he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I'm the bridge. I'm the one. I'm the one. I laid down my life. I paid the price so you could come into the presence of God. And the Bible tells us in Acts 2.21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You'll be forgiven. Your sin will be removed. It'll be taken care of. Jesus has paid the price. God will give you peace with him. You'll become his child if you call upon his name. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. Because if you were perfect, you could build a bridge. You can come to him with your shame, your sin, your inadequacies. You don't have to work your way in. And I want to tell you this. Your story doesn't have to end with guilt and shame. Jesus is the bridge to the other side. And I'm going to tell you this. A new chapter can be written that says forgiven, child of God, forgiven, in the presence of God. I'm just telling you and I'm asking you once again, this is the day to give your life to the God that grabs your face. The God that grabs your face with love, he grabs your face and he says, I made the way for you, I paid the price. And here at all of our campuses, we're gonna have an opportunity to let you give your life to Jesus Christ, the God that grabs your face. The God that says, I love you enough to send my son into this world to die for you so you can be forgiven. That's what we're celebrating. And if Jesus could uh, overcome death, hell, and the grave and come back from the dead, Jesus' promises are true. And he said the way to the Father is through him. And the Bible tells us if we call upon the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. And so here and at all of our campuses, I want you to go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to just give you that moment with no distractions. In just a moment, we'll hand this over to our campuses, and we'll give them the opportunity to let you give your life to Jesus Christ, because your story can change. It can be different. Jesus can be the bridge right now to give you eternal life, forgiveness, and be the bridge into the presence of God.